0: Hi, I'm Matt Waller, Dean of the Sam M. Walton College of Business. Welcome to Be Epic, the podcast where we explore excellence, professionalism, innovation, and collegiality, and what those values mean in business, education, and your life today. I have with me today Brendan Merkley, Chief Operating Officer of Goodleap. And Brendan has a really impressive background in solar and in other uh, areas, but in solar in particular, he has been with Vivint Solar as chief operating officer. He has been with Solar City, and it was at the time when uh, Tesla purchased Solar City. So we'll talk a little bit about that. And now he is the um, chief operating officer of a growth company that has a really interesting story and business model called Goodleap. Brendan, thank you for joining me today. Glad to be here. Thank you Matt. Brendan I you know of course I got to learn about your company a few weeks ago when we met for the first time and you've opened office uh, here in Bentonville. but I was really intrigued with your business model for Goodleap. But before we talk about Goodleap, you know you've been in the solar business from different perspectives over the past ten years. What really attracted you to that industry? That's a good question. I uh,
1: I wish I could say I was I was so thoughtful and deliberate about that <laughs> choice as uh, as something that I, I sought out. But uh, the the truth is, I was really interested in energy and the energy industry generally, and uh, and in climate change and in how uh, technology could improve just the sustainability of uh, of our energy consumption. Uh, I can't claim that I, I identified residential solar and wanted to specialize in that, but uh, I looked for broad opportunities, and the specific opportunity found me. And that was Vivint, correct? That's right, yes.
0: And so when you were with Vivint, where was that company at the time? Vivint Solar and, and Vivint, Inc. are based in Utah. And they focus on residential solar?
1: They do. So Vivint, Inc., is a large residential services platform. So they provide home automation, home security, uh, energy management, uh, and, and joining that company, we worked on a few different ideas to expand the energy product lineup. And Residential Solar was one of those opportunities that we pursued and eventually incorporated a, a sister affiliate company, uh, Vivint Solar.
0: And of course, that was uh, almost 10 years ago. Uh, it was. That you started there. And you know, I know Residential solar has changed a lot over the years. What are some of the ways you've seen it change the most over the past, say, ten years since you've been in the business? It,
1: it's definitely gaining momentum. Uh, I think it's becoming uh, a little bit more of uh, an accepted uh, home improvement. Uh, when we got started, right, it was everything was new. Every conversation with investors, with homeowners, with with employees and labor was new. No one, no one knew what residential solar was. Uh, there, there was a lot of necessary explanation required uh, just to promote the business. You know, even in the past several recent years, I feel I sense that it's becoming a lot more mainstream. I was in New York City just a couple of weeks ago, meeting with investors and banks, and where you know it used to be a very fringe asset class that you know, only people prepared to do a ton of work were uh, were prepared to invest in. It, it's now become much more mainstream. Uh, much larger capital markets are, uh, are attracted and interested in the, uh, uh, the environmental and sustainable components of this asset class. Uh, and so I think the biggest shift just over the 10 years has become the
0: more mainstream nature of the industry. And of course, a lot of that mainstreaming is a result of, I guess, consumer acceptance
1: it's the result of uh, you know a lot of hard work by many different professionals and entrepreneurs and salespeople and installers, operators, uh, and the result of some some real good innovation. Right, my uh, uh, my partner when I when we co-founded Vivint Solar had a background in the, the manufacturing perspective and sort of had identified that the hardware costs of solar. Uh, we're going to fall precipitously, and that that would enable the product to become more compelling to homeowners, uh, and that that's borne out. That's very true, right? When uh, when I first bought solar panels uh, as chief operating officer at Vivint Solar, I think we paid close to two dollars per watt for a solar panel, a seventy something, and today you can buy solar panels for thirty forty cents a watt.
0: That's a big difference.
1: So that the price has fallen uh, I- incredibly. Uh, and then there's been other innovations around, you know, the financing early on with solar, the predominant form of financing was was a lease or a power purchase agreement that required complicated tax equity structures. And today you've seen both as the purchase price of the product has come down, uh, it's become more attractive to homeowners at a lower purchase price, which also enables uh, personal uh, financing for that home improvement. Uh, to enable uh, loan platforms to facilitate that purchase for homeowners. And so you see a lot more adoption, uh, just both in the cost decreases and in the financial innovation that enables more adoption.
0: So clearly the costs came down a lot. How about the productivity of the cells? Have have they improved over the past 10 years?
1: They do improve. There's a, there's a good rule of thumb I, I heard a long time ago that suggests... Uh, an average solar panel is sort of four feet by six feet, uh, and uh, and that improves at about five watts of capacity per year, uh, which is which is pretty small. Like it, it's a slow it's a slow march of improvement, and we've also got you know pesky physics at work that uh, that impose a bit of a ceiling around our our sort of our theoretical understanding of of the universe <laughs> that suggests uh, that they can't get uh you know exponentially more efficient they can get a little bit more efficient and they, and they keep getting a little bit more efficient um, but the the thing I like about solar and one, one of the one of the things we talk about frequently with people is there really is no obsolescence of the product to worry about you know if if you bought 20 solar panels five years ago today maybe you only need to buy 18 solar panels but they're the same technology. they're the same solar panel they'll, they'll produce power for 20 30 years no problems and so it's um, it, you know it, it's a it's about demystifying the the technology aspect of the
0: of the product. So next you went to solar city. you went there before Tesla purchased they did it. What was their focus what was their market focus when you went there?
1: yeah our, our goal was to uh fight climate change and uh and promote more sustainable energy uh, one, one of the marketing ideas that that I was rather fond of was one of promoting this notion of abundance i think uh you know i embrace a, a, an outlook on sustainability that says we can innovate and and still maintain an abundant lifestyle uh, and so our goal was to to provide that abundant mentality and provide people cheaper more sustainable energy for their homes um and we we scaled solar city to uh, a forty percent market share. We were the you know, the largest residential developer in in the country by far.
0: So at one point, Tesla started looking at Solar City. Were they an investor originally? Yeah,
1: so, so Tesla and Solar City always had a had a very uh, close close history, right? Elon Musk uh, was the chairman of Solar City, and is uh, is his cousins were uh, were, were leaders at, and founders of solar city so uh, elon was always aware of uh, of solar city and, and our progress
0: and did things change at solar city much from a cultural perspective during that time
1: uh yeah there, there were a lot of changes i think uh you know the mission remained the same and those two companies are very aligned on missions of sustainability you know uh, approaching different industries and different markets but uh um, Tesla was just a much larger company. Any merger, I think, is is complicated and, uh, and can be difficult, but there were a lot of great people on both sides of that that, that worked to integrate those companies and figure out uh, what the respective goals of those different business units would be.
0: Now, you're with Goodleap, Chief Operating Officer of Goodleap, and uh, would you tell us a little bit about Goodleap, what they do, and how the business model works?
1: Absolutely. So our our vision is to be a platform that connects uh, investors with homeowners and contractors where investors have capital that they want to deploy and they increasingly want to deploy it with an eye towards sustainability and environmentalism and things like that. Uh, with with homeowners who may want to invest in their homes and improve their homes and improve their carbon footprint and, and uh, w- with contractors ready to provide that service for them and that we can provide
0: financing for those homeowners. So let's take me as an example. I don't have solar panels on my ha- house. We can let's, change that. Yeah, we could change that. So <laughs> let's suppose I contacted GoodLeap and I said, look, I'm interested, you know, and I have a house that faces south with a large roof. That's great. And so, let's suppose I contacted them. How would the process work? Our
1: platform is positioned as a, a point of sale offering with a contractor. So typically, you would reach out to a contractor. There's some uh, some great partners of ours here in Northwest Arkansas that offer financing through GoodLeap to homeowners like yourself. Uh, your first step would be to meet with the contractor. Mm-hmm. They would likely evaluate your property, provide a proposal, explain to you what the value proposition of a solar installation could provide to you and your home. Uh, and then from there, they would say, hey, Matt, how do you want to pay for this? More often than not, lots of people say, well, you know, I'd like to make payments. Can I do that? And and the contractor would, would say, absolutely. Here's a good leap. Provide them a couple bits of information, and we'll get you approved, and then
0: we can proceed with the project. Well, that sounds really easy compared. To, I would think in most cases you would take out a home equity loan, and then that takes a long time. It does, that that has been a common way that these home improvements have been financed
1: in the past. That's the opportunity we recognize, which is just, sometimes we think of innovation as if it requires massive, groundbreaking new inventions or, or breakthroughs, and I think a lot of the innovation we've seen in the last couple of decades is just marginal improvements to everyday life. Uh, You know, Uber did not invent taxi service. They just made it that much easier to find a taxi. And uh, I think the same is true here. There are other ways to pay for your solar system, but it is that much simpler and more convenient to have the same
0: contractor offer you that financing right there at your kitchen table. Clearly, homeowners can get financed more quickly, so they like that. And then contractors like it because I would imagine a certain percentage of times when maybe a... Homeowner wants to do it, and then they start to get a, a loan. They um, may change their minds in the next couple of weeks. That's right. There's
1: a there's a saying in, in sales that says time kills deals. <laughs> so if you're a contractor, you you want you want Matt to sign and to agree and to commit right now while I've got you at the kitchen table. We enable businesses. We are a job in an app for. 10, 20,000 professionals right now who are using our company to uh, grow and scale their own businesses.
0: So Brendan, I can see clearly how you, your experience, your team's experience helped you understand this was an opportunity to help consumers and contractors and really to advance your your goal of uh, rolling out solar power more broadly. But how do you get financing for this I mean you're connecting the dots here for for people but somehow you have to get capital to be able to provide these loans
1: you do and like anything you know you uh, you start small and, and scale it up so early on it's all a sales function absolutely right we're, we're selling to uh, investors and in capital markets and you know we, we believe we are originating a very high quality product but early on before you've done it you don't have any data to point to, right? And so it's a sales function and, and credit to our team that was able to uh, to sell the vision of our company and you know the qualifications of our team and, and our software platform and, and the loan products that we were originating. And uh, you know we're very grateful to early investors that believed in that vision and started buying loans and enabled us to scale and then you know success begets success. So we've been able to find more more partners, more capital. And, you know, I think when things really, really get rolling is where you begin to develop enough data and enough operating record that you're able to now prove objectively and quantitatively uh, what you've been saying and promoting about your product. Uh, And so, you know, now that we're there with, I think, 10 different public debt securitizations
0: now, uh, you know, the conversation is just much easier now. So if... uh consumer has the option of a home equity loan versus GoodLeap. How competitive are you for interest rates?
1: That's a great question. Uh, So interest rates are very relevant. But I think the thing to keep in mind when we think about our product offering is that we are really competing with the utility bill payment. We are always focused on how do we provide an offering that competes favorably with your home utility payment. Today we have rates that are very attractive, around 199, 299, 399 percent, depending on the product that you choose and that the contractor wants to explore with the homeowner. But you know, beyond the rate and the term, there's lots of different innovations around uh, flexible payment structures and, and different deferred payment things that I think provide a more competitive offering relative to the more standard traditional financing offers.
0: So Good Leap is in the San Francisco and Sacramento areas currently but recently you leased space in Bentonville so you decided to move out here how did that happen that's uh interesting to me I don't really know exactly which month you you started doing that uh making that move but I'd like to know a little bit about why you came out here sure it was you know a pleasant
1: surprise most of us had no exposure to northwest Arkansas so uh didn't didn't know much about it and uh our founder and CEO, Hayes Barnard, was, was close to some some local business leaders here in the area who uh, very graciously hosted us out here last summer to look around the region and, and explore things. And I think we all we all fell in love with the region and uh, and the people and the opportunity that, that we saw here to partner with some of those local business leaders and community members to expand our company. And so uh, over the course of last winter, we, uh, we we finalized some of those plans and officially moved into our new space in Bentonville uh, just in February of this
0: year. So Brendan, you know, one thing that's clear from your work history is that you have worked with companies that scale. You've been helping companies scale up. And for those listening that may not kind of know what that means exactly, when a new company is formed, you know, there's the There's usually a prototype of a service or a product that's created based on lots of inputs from customers or problems that are in the market. And the entrepreneur comes along and tries to solve the problem and eventually gets product market fit. And that means that the demand starts pulling. And usually during that time frame, the business model morphs a bit too. So the Product or service is morphing and the and the business model is morphing, uh, pivoting. But at some point, when you know all of it starts really working, you have to scale. You start growing fast, and you have to hire people. You have to get financing some sometimes. Uh, but you 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 have to you know implement new technologies, new business processes, et cetera, et cetera. But you have a lot of experience in scaling. Has that been good for you and, and why are you a good fit for scaling businesses? I don't know why I'm a good fit, but I certainly enjoy it. And
1: yes, at, at different times in my life, I've led teams of two, three people and and also been you know founding members of, of teams when they were very small. At Vivint Solar, my partner and I were, were two three people and in 18 months we had 1,500 employees so It scaled very quickly when I joined Solar City. I believe I was employee roughly 3,000, and in three years I was there, we scaled to 17,000 employees. Scaling is fun, and uh, and I liken growing businesses to pouring wet cement. Wet cement that maybe takes a couple years to dry and harden, and uh, and it's it's I think a magical period in a new business where you get to lay foundations and, and pour cement, uh, hopefully with an eye towards success and towards scale, uh, such that you build things that that will support larger scale and will will provide for efficient process. Once businesses achieve a certain size, as you mentioned, there's so much inertia in organizations and institutions and products and customers that things get harder to change. That's why there's so much literature about you know how big companies innovate and whatnot. And once that cement dries, it's it's quite hard to shift course. It's really satisfying to me just as a builder to play with the wet cement early on and, and figure out what the company needs to support three, five, ten years from now and try to lay that foundation as correctly as possible in the early days.
0: Well, Brendan, congratulations on your tremendous successes in your career and and with GoodLeap, um, And um, we are thrilled to have you here in Northwest Arkansas. We're very glad to be here. Thank you, Matt. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Be Epic podcast from the Walton College. You can find us on Google, SoundCloud, iTunes, or look for us wherever you find your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe and rate us. You can find current and past episodes by searching Be Epic Podcast, one word. That's B-E-E-P-I-C podcast. And now, Be Epic.